new beginning and a new start. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 is the caption of the scripture that I want to refer to throughout this message. But I'll be reading in just a moment in John chapter 3, a few verses there about the story of Nicodemus. You know, when you think of uh, a new year, and I don't know about you, but I like to think of, you know, when the, when the old year passes, the new comes, everybody likes new things. And so every year, we're given an opportunity for new things. God puts that uh, before us. And a new year might mean new challenges. It may mean that you and I are up against uh, a, new, a new avenue or a new adventure in life. And take, take the new year as an opportunity to embrace what's before you. You know, 2022 is now behind us, and 2023 is now beginning. And inside this year, I'm sure you can think about your regrets, and you probably have some forgets that you would like to, to get away with as well. There's some repeats, and there's some joys. And those things are way, ways that we can remember and that we can learn from. And, you know, the new beginning and a new start, you know, what are some things that can make a difference in our new year? You know, it may be questions we ask ourselves. What are some things I can do to make this new year better than the year before? Uh, what are some things in my life that I can embrace that I haven't embraced that can enhance my relationship or my fellowship with the Lord God uh, on a daily basis, maybe better than what you had in the past. You know, treat your new year as new opportunities with new challenges, okay? Think about that statement as it's put there on the screen. Treat your new year as new opportunities with new challenges. In John chapter 3, there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to him at night, and he said, Rabbi, speaking to Jesus, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, and no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. And Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can anyone be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born and Jesus answers, surely, unless someone is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from and where it's going. So it is with anyone born of the Spirit. Well, how can these things be, asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied, I assure you, we speak that you may know, we testify to what you have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. And yet he goes on to, goes on to say in verse 16, given the message that many of us hold on to and can quote, for God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You're talking about a new beginning for Nicodemus. He come to Jesus asking questions. He came to him asking him, what can I do to make my life better? What can I do to have a new beginning? What can I do to have a new start in my life? 
I'm not happy where I'm at, and I need more. There's still in all this religiosity that I'm involved in, there is a void in my life that's not filled. And so he comes to Jesus, and he inquires of Jesus, asking Jesus of some things. And Jesus answers him and probably confuses him, obviously, a little bit. And he says to him, Nicodemus, the biggest thing that you can do is be born again. Believe that I am who I am and live for me and give me your life and you will understand. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a beautiful story, beautiful passage inside the, the ministry of reconciliation that Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church about when he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. What are some things that make a lesser difference in our life? You know, think about marriage. Thank you for singing that song this morning, uh, The Gathering Gang. And, um, you know, marriage can have a difference in anybody's life, obviously. But to the extent, what are some things that have the lesser difference than what Christ can do for each of us? Take a, a young boy who, who's a teenager, and he meets a young girl in the hallway of the high school, and they begin to, to con- converse and eventually hold hands and eventually the first kiss, and they, you know, those sorts of things. And six years later, you're standing at the altar, and you're saying, I do to one another and entering into holy matrimony. And, you know, those things can make a difference. And I could say marriage has changed my life, but that's not the greatest change that has happened in my life. The environment can make a difference in our life. We live today in so many different ways that we're reminded about our environment to take care of what God has put on this earth, you know, with global warming and all the things that we're going through, changing from fossil fuels to electric vehicles and so forth, and still it's out there if it's going to work. You know, those things can make a difference, indeed, in our life, but they cannot make the greatest difference that Christ can make. Sickness can make a difference in a person's life. When you're healthy and you're well and you've got everything and you don't even think about the possibility of sickness and all of a sudden something comes along that changes your entire routine that changes who you are even emotionally. And yet you're, you're wondering, how can I make it through this sickness? Sickness can make a difference, but the greatest difference that can be made is when Christ changes a person's life. The wrong type of learning. There's all so many ways to be educated today. Uh, you can do many things online. You can do uh, things in person. You can go to universities. You can audit classes, you can be a part of seminars, you can be a part of various meetings, you can be educated in many different ways, and learning can make a great difference in a person's life. But the greatest difference compared to Christ, it pales in that comparison. Careers and jobs can make a lesser difference in our life. We dream about that, that ultimate job to where we don't have to worry about Uh, where the next paycheck is coming from or how we're going to feed our family. And the job comes along and it sets us for life. And we move in that that motion and things kind of roll along and and it makes a difference. And those jobs become a part of who we are as it's every day, nine to five or throughout the week or 
whether it's a day job or an even job, those jobs, it makes a difference. But it doesn't compare to the difference that Christ can make in a person's life. We're talking about a new beginning and a new start. Marriage can cause a new beginning. An environment can cause a new beginning. Sickness can cause a new beginning. The wrong type of learning can cause a new beginning. Careers can cause a new beginning, but nothing in comparison to what Christ can do. You see, there's changes in our home life that will come. There are changes I remember when the last child left home. It wasn't, you know, it was a little hallelujah (laughs) in some sense, but it was sad. It was sad when the house was quiet, you know, and we didn't hear the pitter-patter of the feet upstairs or the door slamming or closing or the the extra shower going, and, you know, it, it got a little quiet. Business life can make a difference, and it can changes in our life because we may have to travel. We may have to go different places, our social and personal life. When we get up with friends and we begin to have a social life beyond just our marriage, our thoughts and our words, in our loving and our living and our giving and our serving, in our spirit and our destiny, there are changes that come in all walks of life. And there are great differences that can make a difference in a person's life, indeed. But the greatest change is the surrender to Christ. As Paul says, if any person is in Christ, in other words, if any person calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if any person moves from themselves and turns their life over to Jesus, he or she is a new creation. God has reformed and recreated that person in spirit. And the old life, the flesh, the old nature, the old man, the old woman, that person is now dead. They're dead from their sin. They're dead from that because he has taken the penalty upon himself and all things become new. Therefore, if anyone in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is gone and the new has come. And that's what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus when Nicodemus was inquiring, what must I do to be born again? He's basically telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, surrender your heart to me. And when you do, you're going to know the newness like you've never known before, and you're going to know a new start like you've never known before. You're going to have a whole fresh beginning. You're going to have a fresh outlook on life. You're going to be giving purpose. You're going to be giving meaning. You're going to be giving everything that you've been desiring, the void that you're seeking as in all of your religiosity that you are as a religious leader is going to be filled because I am going to be the focus of your religion. And it's going to make you a new person. So treat this new year as new opportunities with new challenges. Are there evidence in Scripture as it is in this one verse of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, as it is in John chapter 3, are there more evidences within Scripture of men and women of the Bible that have had changes in their life, that God has given them new opportunities and new beginnings? Well, I would say yes. And the first one I think about is the evidence of changed people is Simon Peter. In John chapter 21 is a beautiful story to where Peter was running from who he was and running from his failure, and Jesus met him right where he was and met him in all that he was, and he turned Peter's thinking into a whole fresh new beginning because Simon Peter was one 
who was uh, very vocal for Christ. He was a follower and says to Jesus, you know, anything can happen in my life, anything can happen in your life, and if it does, I will, I will live for you to the, to the to highest. I will be the one when no one else is around. I will be by your side, Jesus. I will follow you, and regardless of what happens, I am there for you, Jesus. And Peter and Jesus clears his throat, and he says, you know, before the, croc, the, the cock crows, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter says, no way. Jesus, I love you, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to be with you. Peter, be careful. I know your heart. And so Peter denied Christ three times when others expected Peter to stand up. And Peter was in a a bad emotional state. And in John 21, he says, I'm going back to fishing. In fact, he he basically says, I have failed so much. In verse 3 of 21, he says, I am going fishing. When you begin to break that sentence down in Greek understanding, basically Peter is saying to his other disciples, the other disciples who are with him, he says, I am giving up the life that I have begun to follow. And I'm going back to a way of life that I know that I'm not going to fail. So I am going back to fishing. That's basically what he's saying to his brothers around him. He said, I failed Christ when I said I was not going to do so. I left him on a cross when no one else was there. I could not stand to be, be accused of, of, a, of a disciple of his because I was fearful that I too would end up on a cross. And he says, I have failed, and I'm going back to that which I know I will not fail at, and I'm going back to fish. And the other disciples said, well, Peter, if you're going, then we're going with you. Shows the influence of, of that negative disciple. And then Jesus, he has, Jesus has no right to even show up in Peter's life. He, he should let Peter waller in his mistake once again. But just like he did when, when he was drowning in the, in the water on the Sea of Galilee, when he, after he began to walk on water and began to sink, Jesus reaches his hand out to him in this operative grace and grabs Peter and says, Peter, I'm here to rescue you. He's standing on the seashore of Peter's life there to rescue Peter from himself once again. You're talking about a new beginning and a new start? A man who was in failure. And I know we all, we all get into that emotional state where we look at ourselves and say, I failed over and over. I can't seem to always get it right. And, and I'm, I'm just not comfortable that people want to be around. I'm, I'm in this depressive state. And we say, there's no need to try. I get back in this every time I try. But do as Peter did. And there, that story of John 21 when they was there fishing, Jesus let them go back to fish. And while they were fishing, they caught nothing. Yeah, all right, you're going back to fishing where you couldn't fail, and you, sure enough, you did it again, Peter, you failed. And you couldn't even catch one fish, so throw your net on the right side of the boat again. Just like he told him back in Luke chapter 6 when he first called him to be a disciple three and a half years prior to this. I think they would ring a bell. So he throws the net on the right side of the boat, and sure enough, he caught so much fish they couldn't even bring it in. The boat began to sink. And Peter realized when, he, when, that, when that catch was made, he realized 
that the man on the shore that was giving them instruction once again was his Savior. He was the one who, who gave him release. He was the one who freed him from the bondage of sin. He was the one who gave him a new beginning and a fresh start at once in his life. And here he stood, and he didn't deserve it. And Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat. When Peter realized that he dove into the water. He didn't think about walking on water this time. He thought about swimming on top of it and getting fast, fast as he could to the shore. And when he got to the shore, Jesus had breakfast for him. Just miraculously had breakfast, already prepared. It wasn't eggs and bacon and grits. It was fish, I'm sure. And yet here he was having breakfast and communication with Peter. And he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than anything else in your life? And after asking him the three times, Peter finally said, yes, Lord, I love you with my whole being. I love you with every ounce of who I am. I love you with great passion. Then Jesus says, then let down that fishing net and get your behind back on the, the work that I've called you to do. And get back in there and be the disciple that you said you were going to be and you were not going to deny me in the first place. Get back in there and I'm going to use you, Peter, and you're going to see lives changed. He gave him a whole new start. He gave him a whole new beginning when he came to Peter on that particular day. Petros, as he's called, the rock. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And in everything, in through three and a half years, if Peter learned anything, when Jesus asked him, Peter, you know, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, you got it right, Peter. I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. And upon that confession, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. And so there Peter understood. When he went to the transfiguration, who was there but Peter? Multitudes preached to, it was Peter. Salvation preached to the Gentiles, it was Peter. Denials, it was Peter. The seashore in Jesus, it was Peter. Occupational change, one time or another, there was Jesus changing Peter. You see, that's the difference Christ can make when a person turns their life over to Christ and says, I want a new beginning. I want a new start. I don't like where I am at. God loves you so much he refuses to leave you there, and he wants more for your life. And so when, he's ready for, ready, when you're ready to make that change, he's ready to change it. And Simon Peter becomes that evidence. Is there another evidence in Scripture that can remind us of a change that Christ can make in a person's life? In John chapter 8 is a woman at the well. And you know the story of the woman at the well? She'd been married five times, was living with her man, was not her husband. She's living in adultery. She's living in a state of, of, that, was, that was contrary to heaven's principles. And they're in living in that situation, and she's caught in adultery, and they bring her, they, 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 she's presented there before Jesus. And Jesus is realizing, whoa, wait a minute. The woman's at the lowest point of her life. She's at the pit. She has failed over and over and over again, one dead-end relationship to the other. And here Jesus is having a conversation to with an unclean woman as the religious folks saw it and convinces her that there is a change that can happen, convinces her that there is more to life than human relationships, 
There's more to life because there is a divine relationship waiting to happen between her and Jesus. And when she responds to Jesus in the affirmative, Jesus gives her new life. And he says, now now just drop what you're doing and go sin no more. Get your life in order and serve me. Honor me in all your actions and all your doings. Get pure in all your actions and live for me. And that woman became a woman who left Jesus' presence, as the Scripture says, on happy feet. She left there telling everybody about Jesus, that the change that Jesus had made in her life. You see, that's a new beginning. That's a new start. Because someone gave their life to Christ like Peter, like the woman at the well, anyone who, who, who wants a new change can have it. And all they need to do is cry out to Jesus. And then we're back to John chapter 3 in that of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious fanatic. He was a part of the Sanhedrin, 70, group of 70 distinguished religious leaders that people looked up to and the Jews looked up to. You remember the Sanhedrin was a part of the crucifixion of Christ. And so this is the group that Nicodemus is coming from, and Nicodemus is not happy. He studied the Scriptures. He knows the Old Testament prophecies. He's living the New Testament as, as he's speaking to Jesus. And he's seeing all those things, but he's not happy. He knows something, some element of his life is missing. He studied all those scriptures. He knows about Abraham. He knows about Isaac. He knows about Jacob. He knows about Moses. He knows about all the prophets, the minor prophets, the major prophets. He knows about the the covenant made with Israel. He understands this. He's looking for the day of the Messiah. He understands the prophecy of old, and he's waiting for the fulfillment. And right there in front of him, it begins to happen. Just maybe, just maybe, this man, Jesus, is whom people say he is. Maybe, just maybe, he can give me more substance in my life. Just maybe, just maybe, this teacher, this rabbi, can teach me more than I could ever possibly learn. And so Jesus, so Nicodemus reaches out to Jesus in the night. Now we give him a little bit of... of you know, a little bit of hard time that he came to Jesus at night in a secretive motion. But remember, he's coming from a group of 70, Sanhedrin. And if one revokes, he could be killed himself. And so he sneaks away when everybody else is asleep, and he's, and he's crawling like a, a cat looking for its prey in the middle of the night, and he finds Jesus. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, what must I do to have meaning in life? I've got this void in my heart that cannot be filled. I need it filled. What can I do to see this field in my life? Something's missing. Jesus says, you must be born again. Well, that sounds crazy. How can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? You, you, no, listen to me, Nicodemus. We're not talking about the physical. What is of the flesh is the flesh, but what is of the spirit is spirit. And I'm talking about the spirit. Nicodemus, give me your heart. Give me your life, serve me, serve me from this day forward, and you'll understand what born again means. Salvation will come to you today if you'll surrender your life. That's a new start. That's a new beginning. We know that something happened in that encounter. 
Because, you know, it was Nicodemus that stood up in the Sanhedrin and said, listen, we're not finding any fault in this man, Jesus. He tried to convince the Sanhedrin, back away. Leave this man alone. And then when Jesus was crucified, whose tomb was Jesus buried in? But in Nicodemus' tomb. So we know that a change happened in Nicodemus' life, that he believed that Jesus was who he was, the Son of the living God. So that's evidence of changed people. Further along, I love the story of Zacchaeus. If you grew up in the church, you probably learned the story of the little, little man he was. He sung that little that song, and, and the small stature of a man that he was, but he was feared. He was feared because he was a tax collector, and he knocked on people's door, and people knew that when they heard his knock and answered that door, that he was going to take taxes from them, not only to the Roman government, but he was going to slip some in his pocket. We know, how, we know that happened because when Jesus comes to Zacchaeus, because he was so small, he climbs up in the sycamore tree to get a glimpse of Jesus because he couldn't see over the crowd. Now, whether he was a dwarf, whether he was a midget, we don't know. He was just a short man in statue. But he couldn't see over the crowd. So he climbs up the tree, and Jesus comes to that tree and looks up in that tree, and he says, Zacchaeus. He calls him by name without ever meeting him. He says, Zacchaeus. That should have alerted Zacchaeus right there. How does this man know me? And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Make haste. Come down. Come down as fast as you can. Jump in my arms, Nicodemus. I mean, Zacchaeus. Come on. And the Scripture says Zacchaeus came down that tree as fast as he could. And a conversation began to happen, and we know change happened. Nick, I mean, Zacchaeus was saying basically in his outward motion by getting in that tree, trying to get the attention of Jesus. He's basically saying to Jesus, my life is not fulfilled. I'm not happy with what I'm doing. I don't believe in what I'm doing. I don't like taking people's money. I don't like giving money away to this Roman government. I need a change. I need some more meaning in my life. You are the answer. What must I do? And Jesus says to Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, the most powerful words that Jesus could ever speak to a person who's seeking to be changed, who's seeking a new beginning, who's seeking a new start. The most powerful words is in verse 9 of Luke 19. Today, salvation has come to your house. Today, salvation has invaded your presence. Today, you have been given the greatest gift that anyone could ever want in life. Today, you are given salvation. You are given a gift that no one else but only those from heaven could ever give it, and it is salvation. It is yours today, Zacchaeus. We know something happened and changed him because Zacchaeus immediately said back to Jesus in that story, and then I'm not avoiding reading the Scripture by no means. I'm just reminding you of what the story says. You can go back and look at it later on. But he basically says to Jesus, if I've cheated any person, I'll pay them back fourfold. But he also says, I will give half, half of what I have to feed the poor. So he's going to give half of his possessions away, and then he's going to pay back fourfold everybody he's ripped off in his lifetime because he knew that Jesus made that much of a difference. 
He knew that if there was anything that he could do, he could go back and make amends for his actions. And he wanted it right. He wanted to be an example for others. He wanted others to know that Jesus made the difference in his life. The feared little Zacchaeus of a man that he was is going to stand tall in statue like any other man who'd ever stood. As he says, yes, I receive the gift of salvation into my house. Isn't it interesting that scriptures speak that this house, this earthly temple, is ours? The scripture says it will be destroyed. In this earthly tent, this house will be destroyed. But we have a building from God, not made with hands, but made from the heavens, the scripture says. And that's the house he's speaking about. He's talking about the spiritual house that has been given and being built for Zacchaeus that's going to make him stand taller than any other man on the face of the earth. And that's the change Jesus can make in a person's life. That's a new start. That's a new beginning. Is there another evidence in Scripture of a person who has a new beginning and a changed life? And we find it in Mark chapter 10. And I love this story. One of my favorite stories is blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus had been born blind. People were trying to accuse him that he sinned. His mother and father had sinned. He was just going to have to wallow in his sinful mess, and he's blind because of it. No one wanted to have a part of him. He was a beggar on the side of the road who had a tin can waiting for a coin to drop, and that's how he would be fed that day. He was a nobody. He was an outsider. He, he, he didn't matter to anybody. He was just a nuisance on the side of the road, and the disciples evidenced that by saying when, when Bartimaeus called out, Son of David, have mercy on me. The disciples told him, said, Hush up, man. He don't have time for you. You don't mean anything to Jesus. You don't mean anything to us. You don't mean anything to the world. You're blind. You're no good. You, you just sit back here because you are nothing. Mercy, mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus looked at the disciples and said, I don't know where your thinking is. You've followed me for so many months now and a few years. You, Every person matters to me. Get out the way. Bartimaeus, what do you want more than anything else in the world? Whoa, whoa, Jesus, don't pay me no t- Oh, Oh, disciples, hush. Be silent. Watch what's going to happen because salvation is going to happen in this man's house today. Bartimaeus, what do you want more than anything else? He says, I want eyes to see so that I may see. He says, I want to have vision so that I could see. And the first thing Bartimaeus saw in his eyes was Jesus. That's the difference that Christ can make in a person's life. Isn't it amazing? First time a child is born, I'm sure they just see in a blah, in a blur. And eventually they're going to see a face and they're going to say, see a, a mom and a dad and the doctor and all those sorts of things. But the first thing Bartimaeus saw in life was Jesus. And it changed him from that point on. Bartimaeus left there with the mouths dropped open from the disciples, and he became an evangelist that told everybody what Jesus had done for him, that he had given him a new start, he had given him a new beginning, and he was a changed individual. Is there another evidence in Scripture? We could go on and on, I promise you. There's one last one, is that of Saul. You find that in Acts chapter 9, that story of where Saul would later become Paul. And Saul was on the Damascus road, 
And he was, the scriptures indicate that he was filled with rage. He began to break down that story. Basically, Saul was snorting with rage. And why was he so mad? Why was he filled with so much hate? It was because he hated Christians. He hated anything that represented Christ. And it was, and if he couldn't kill Christ, he would kill every Christian he could. And he would make sure that they would no longer be allowed to spread Christianity. That was Saul's life. He was a murderer. He was a man who was waiting for death row. He was a man that no one wanted to have pity on. He was one that no one cared if he got slammed into the slammer and, and electrocuted in the middle of the night. It didn't matter. He was a murderer. He needed to be rid from the face of the earth. People feared him, especially Christians. But Saul was a religious man, well-learned, well-educated. He understood Scripture of the Old Testament. He was one who believed that there was going to be a Messiah, but he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He saw it as fake. He saw it as false, and it was hurting his heart, and he was mad about it, and he was trying to kill everyone who accused, who, who were saying that they were Christians. And all of a sudden on the road, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? There's no one around. <laughs> He's just hearing this voice from heaven. And he says, who are you, Lord? <laughs> he got that right. I am Lord. <laughs> he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. He replied, but, but get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The story goes on that Saul was blinded. Blinded. Just like Bartimaeus. He's now blinded. And he says, now I want you to go find a man by the name of Ananias. And when you find that, that, that unique individual, you're going to see, and you're going to see things that you've never seen before. Now get up. Go to the streets called Straight, he says, to the house of Judas and ask for a man and get Tarsus named Saul, since he's, he's saying this to Ananias, and he says, since he's praying there in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in, placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. He goes on to say, as, as Ananias did that, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles, for the kings and the sons of Israel. And I will certainly show him how much he must suffer for my sake. Ananias left, and Saul would become Paul. He would be a changed individual. A man who, said, who, who snorted with rage was one who said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ. I am determined to know nothing save Jesus Christ and him be glorified, Paul says. Many of the epistles written by Paul that's in the New Testament, the churches that were started were started by Paul. A man who hated Christians began to adore them. A man who could not stand to look in the direction of Christ was a man who served him for the rest of his life. That's the difference Christ can make when someone looks up to Christ and says, Christ, I need a new beginning. I need a new start. 
2023 is here. You got 364 more days to get it right. So why not get it right from day one? And give God your heart and let him change you from the inside out. You say, well, well, pastor, I'm a believer. I believe in Christ. That's great. I hope you do. But sometimes as Christians, we need a new beginning. We need a new passion. We need a new purpose. We need a new start. Why not just ask him, Lord, give me that new start for this new year so that I can serve you greater than I've ever served you before, that I can realize that your presence is with me wherever I'm at, that I realize that you're ushered, the Holy Spirit has ushered me into this place for a purpose, that wherever we go, wherever we're at, we know it's an appointed, anointed time. How does change happen? You know, I would love to say, you know, give you, give you a chalkboard or another PowerPoint that gives you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things you can do, and by the time you get the ten, you're perfected. It's very simple. God's already given it to us. I don't have to recreate it for you. It's found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is that simple. There's no way. Life cannot be that simple. Yes, it is. As it was for Simon Peter, all he had to do was just get out of the boat and go back to the shore. Jesus had it handled. It was for the woman at the well when Jesus said, go and sin no more. It was very simple for Nicodemus, although it threw him for a loop about being born again. When he finally grasped it, he understood it. It was very simple for Zacchaeus because it changed Zacchaeus' life. It was very simple for Bartimaeus because Bartimaeus saw Jesus. And it became very simple for Saul when he began to be used and help turn the world upside down for Jesus. If you confess your sins, God is just and God is faithful. That's probably where we need to stop in the Scripture. That's all we need to hear. But it goes on. He's just and faithful enough to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's just and faithful enough to forgive us for everything we've done in 2022 and give us a, and all that unrighteousness can stay in the old year and give us newness and righteousness for 2023. It is just that simple. Do you want a new beginning? Do you want a new start? Then come to Christ. Let him be your answer. Let him do the work of what he wants to do in and through who you are. Thanks be unto God for a God who loves us so much that he refuses to leave us wallowing in our own mess. <laughs> he wants more for us and better. Father God, we thank you that you grant to us the permission to come to you at any time, any day of the week, any inkling of time, and to cry out to you. And when we cry out to you as Peter received help on the water and as all of these have received help from the woman at the well to that of Saul on Damascus Road, your hand was there reached out to lift each and every one up to find rescue, and to find new life, to be given a new start and a new beginning. 
Thank you, God, for that wonderful scripture that if we call upon you and if we come before you, the new has come and the old has vanished because we are now a new creation in your hands. Thank you that you are the, 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 the potter and we are the clay and that you're constantly rewetting that clay and molding us into the image of the vessel that you want to use. Thank you, God, for forgiving us. Thank you for giving your aid and giving us new beginnings. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.